Hey folks, I'm here today to tell you about Visible. Something unfortunate about wireless services, what you see isn't always what you get. But with Visible, what you see is what you get. No perception check required. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just $25 a month, taxes and fees included. If you're looking for a carrier that is upfront with no hidden fees, then go to Visible.com to make the switch. You don't need more than one line of wireless to save, and you're going to be getting unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. Visible is the wireless carrier that's constantly operating from a zone of truth. In their quest for total transparency, Visible wants you to know the monthly rate on the Visible plan. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Save on wireless without the hassle. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. Greetings, adventurers. Today we're excited to introduce you to a new story, Dark Dice, a horror podcast that blurs the line between actual play and audio drama, where the story is determined by the role of the dice. Six adventurers embark on a journey into the ruinous domain of the Nameless God. They will never be the same again. One of the players is now what they seem after a doppelganger, a creature that can assume the form and voice of whatever it kills, infiltrates the team. As the players are picked off and replaced one at a time, can they figure out who the monster is before it's too late? Can you? Here's a quick example of what our show sounds like. The, uh, shambler with the jar of liquid inside of him. Soren Arkwright let loose an arrow that cracked the glass, passing through the spine of the creature. The shambler still managed to maintain its forward momentum, but stumbled as it eagerly tried to bite and swipe at Soren, landing near his feet. As Jeff Goldblum has now joined our cast, Dark Dice is available however you listen to podcasts. Hey everyone, welcome to the Dungeon Cast. I'm Will. I am Brian. This is the podcast where we talk about everything Dungeons and Dragons, from sparkling spirits to spiritual specters. And today, we're talking about spectators. Hey, Brian. Hey, Will. How you doing today? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing okay. It's just a little hot in here, but I'll be all right. It's a little bit hot in here. <laughs> it's summertime. Ah. Um, and today, it's Year of the Beholder. That's right, baby. I mean, it's Year of the Beholder all year long, but it's also Year of the Beholder today. It does mean that it's the Year of Beholder right now. Yes, very yeah. much so. And thus, we were talking about all kinds of beholders and lesser beholders and beholder kin. Today, we're talking about spectators. The most perverted of the beholders. No. No? No. <laughs> the most lawful of beholders. Oh, no. Um, do you what? know anything about spectators before we get into this? I'm just looking at the stat block a little oh, bit. Oh, yeah. I mean, he like, looks like a nasty boy. That's true. He does look perverse. He's a dirty man. Yeah, but he's not. Okay. He's well, not looking in your window? He's he, not, he's not no, watching you? No. Not these ones. Okay. Let's get into it. So, <laughs> today we're talking about one of, the mo- one of my favorite of the lesser beholders, the spectator. It, and it's u- quite a unique one in that it is not an evil megalomaniacal, megalomaniacal, megalomaniacal megalomaniacal that will kill you on sight and or is constantly plotting nefarious plots against the various peoples of the world. 
I would not go as far as calling a spectator a good creature, and neither would the Monster Manual, but it is much more reasonable, peaceful, and self-reflective than pretty much any other beholder we are going to talk about for the rest of the year, yeah, or awful. previous to this point. It's awful neutral. Yeah, we'll get into it. That being said, most spectators are quite mad, and all are of an extreme ideology or another, so don't expect to ever become friends with one. Another personality trait they have is that is they have that is opposite pretty much of all other beholders is their propensity for servitude at least when it comes to guarding things okay. so let's get into it it's weird they're either the this tyrannical object or mm -hmm. they're like a servant yeah like, yeah pretty much that's how, uh, that's how it works out. These ones kind of enjoy it. You'll see why and how. Works. Like if there's a tyrant and there are servants. <laughs> we, are, we are either tyrants or servants in this life, Ryan. Yeah. As with most beholders and their kin, a spectator can be described as a floating sphere with a gaping maw of sharp carnivorous teeth set below a single great eye and crowned with eye stalks. In this case, four that shoot forth deadly rays. Mm. This spherical creature's leathery body has its four slender eye stalks symmetrically situated with two protruding from each side of its mass rather than emerging from its top. Right. Their bodies average three to four feet in diameter and roughly 250 pounds in weight. Spectator skin is thick, lumpy, and rubbery with numerous blood vessels visible on the surface. Coloring is varying, but most art depicts them as having a green or red hue. Have you seen the first edition Beholder? Yes. It's, it's like just very like spherical, little, very round and smooth. A little spaghetti on yeah, top, that's like true. almost like little hairs. Yes, it's Tommy very true. Pickles. <laughs> so, according to most lore, spectators are native denizens to the clockwork nirvana of Mechanus. Weird. Okay. Where they spend their time either actively serving the Modrons willingly, working to attain Modron trust so they will be accepted into service, or spending the centuries of their lives in deep philosophical speculation. <laughs> I, I know what I look like, man. But <laughs> I really do ponder the depth, the deep questions. I need to be here. As creatures native to the plane of law, spectators are inherently lawful by nature. In fact, they absolutely abhor chaoticness in all forms and work to purge any of their own unlawful tendencies from their daily behavior and thoughts. Mm. The spectators of Mechanus, Mechanus have two social classes, upper and lower. Lower class spectators live in otherwise uninhabited sections of the various disc cont continents, each residing alone in a small vertical cave which is dug out with their own mouths. Oh god. <laughs> they're just biting the metal? Yep. Well, it's not metal. Like, these discs are made of earth. Like, they're oh, made of... Oh, that's right. Yeah. They look like big gears, right? I, yeah, they look okay. like big gears. I know. Let me just eat this rock, though, still. Yeah, still, Fuck. yeah. Alright, I get your mouth is cool or whatever. Upper class spectators are those who directly serve as guards for the Modrons. These spectators are more lawful and philosophical than their lower class counterparts because they have usually been educated by their masters to uphold their ideals. In order to become a guard for the Modrons, a spectator must paralyze a Modron rogue unit using one of its eye attacks uh, and turn it over to local Pentadrome regimental headquarters, the Modrons law enforcers. Those deemed intelligent and strong enough are offered jobs serving Modron society. Wow, man, that's just very strange. Like the picture in the monster manual, is it like, what's up, mouth open, all yeah. crazy looking, but it's not, it doesn't act like that. Except for when it does. Except for when it does? We will oh, see. shit. Yes. Okay. But yeah, you, you got the right idea so far. I have a Dumbledore bookmark in my monster manual, and his, his expression is like kind of accurately, I don't know, you want to take a look? That's like how I feel. Oh yeah, he's got that what thing. the fuck look. Yeah. <laughs> Show. <laughs> Can you even see that? You guys see that? Is it focusing? It's got a glare. Yeah. What the fuck? It's hard to focus. He's, he's definitely what the fucking. So, 
generally speaking, spectators possess two modes of behavior, a free-thinking mode and a contemplative mode. Free-thinking spectators live and wander as they will, openly, if cautiously, chatting with those they come across. In their contemplative state, spectators are philosophers who choose to spend over a century pondering vast philosophical questions. Approached in this state, they are still friendly and enjoy discourse, but will soon after request to be left alone so as to continue philosophizing. Apparently they have sicko mode too, right? Somewhere down the line. Yeah, you'll see. I wanted to say sicko mode because we were talking about modes. Yes, absolutely. Okay. You got it in. Thanks. Good for you. Yay. These beholder kin have little to no personal ambition. Perhaps their only true goal in life is to serve the forces of law as well as possible. Since Modrons are as completely lawful and neutral as any creature can be, most spectators actively want to serve them. Uh, the greatest pleasures of a spectator are to thwart chaos, especially Modron rogue units, and to guard and defend. Wow. Okay. This is cool. I mean, like, if you're going to pick something to be like a defensive unit, a beholder kin probably is not a bad choice. No, no, not at all. Yeah, they're solid. Seems What's your challenge rating? We got a like two, three. It's the golden solid. number. Yeah, the golden number. Um, unlike Modrons, spectators are not completely lawful neutral. Although upper class spectators come very close to this ideal, lower class spectators have a slightly lawful good tendency, while upper class spectators are more strictly lawful neutral. Because of its personality, oh, because of its personal honor, a spectator will not attack a paralyzed or helpless enemy unless the spectator was attacked by trickery or by very cruel means. Okay. So they have a sense of honor. They have a threshold for that. Yes. Okay. Um, to a spectator, killing a creature for reasons other than self-defense or duty is viewed as a chaotic act. Under a spectator's sense of justice and law, all creatures have the right to live so long as they do not interfere with the spectator's duties. Hmm. If a spectator accidentally kills a creature for reasons other than self-defense, it usually wills itself to die, directing its brain's powerful energies against itself. Oh, no! <laughs> it's like, I sat on Jeff the mouse. <laughs> Time to implode! <laughs> He's just dead. Damn, don't step on bugs, <laughs> my guy. Mouse. Jeff the Mouse is dead. Um, now the spectator's dead, too. Indeed. So though most of them dwell in this outer plane, these extraplanar beholder can are actually most often encountered on the material plane as guardians to secret and hidden treasures. Indeed, spectators make for preternaturally vigilant and trustworthy guards can be relied on to protect items in all but the most dire situations. How do these extraplanar beings come to find themselves guarding treasures on the material plane? Your magical summonings, of course. Okay, that tracks with, like, dark wizards summoning beholders to do things. Mm -hmm. We've had a couple of those, right? At least or at least one of them. Gazers? Was that the one that gets summoned? Um, gazers were the ones that... The fleshies? Um, no, they were the little, the little guys. That oh, the little ones are gazers. What are yeah. the fleshy-colored ones that are um, their lesser kin as well? Which one was that? There's the Death Kiss. We talked about the, the Gouger, which was the ones was that the were gouger. created to kill other beholders. I got all of them right here. Well, no, you don't. But well, I got you a have lot some of them. You have yeah. a few. You're you're out. You only have those three. Oh well, it's not in this book then. Yeah. Oh, I'll, I'll figure it out later. Uh, there was the Goths. Those were yeah, the, that's the yes, one I'm thinking yeah, of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The fleshy boys. They eat treasure. They don't protect it. Right, though. but uh, that was the thing: is that a wizard might summon them and feed them treasure, like mag like dumb magic items that he doesn't need to like keep right. it around. That's true. Okay. Yeah. So. Spectres are summoned by the casting of a secret ritual that includes the sacrifice of at least three beholders' eyes. Oh, geez. During the sacrificial rite, the beholders' eyes must first be ground into a fine powder and then burnt into a black dust. Oh, God. This black dust is then soaked in oil and placed in a special magic circle. What? Next, the dust is set aflame. Finally, while the eye dust is still burning, a small bag is placed in the center of the magic circle and a spell is cast by the magic user. The bag uh -huh. opens a small one-way gate from Mechanus to... <clears throat> 
the plane on which the spell is cast. Three seconds later, there's a chance that a spectator will appear in the center of the magic circle. Three seconds after that, um, the gate closes again. Okay, this <laughs> that's a lot. So they need other yeah. beholder eyes to summon this thing. Yeah, yeah, it's not it's not an easy feat to just summon these guys. You know where you put like your um, your uncracked salt and pepper and stuff. You put them in the shaker and like you can like fresh crack it over yes, stuff. Yes, absolutely. That's just, just the beholder eye inside, and oh, they're like gosh. fresh cracking it over That's this bag or into this, whatever in this magic circle. <laughs> yeah. So, if summoned into a properly <clears throat> created magic circle, the spectator will await instructions from its summoner. Inside this magic circle, the spectator is powerless to teleport home, leave the circle physically, or use any other powers besides levitation. Okay. If the circle has not been created properly, or if the circle is somehow broken before the spectator promises to complete its job, the spectator teleports back to Mechanis. Okay. If the summoner attempts to give the spectator a job besides guardianship, the spectator merely states that it is unwilling to do so and teleports back to Mechanis <laughs> as soon as the magical circle is broken. Me. You do all this shit and just like, nah, no. I'm not doing that, bro. No, I'm good. I'm out. Gonna go, gonna go think about life. I'm gonna drink some of this water. Oh, man. Okay. Now, this is where it gets a bit conflicting. Most lore states that even if all the rituals are done properly and the right request is made, the spectator can willingly refuse to guard whatever has been summoned to guard. But at the same time, a lot of the lore implies that this is not a consenting relationship for the spectator and that long-term guardianship alone in a pitch-black vault has a tendency to drive them mad. <laughs> Beholders going mad? That's weird. Spectators go crazy. Cool. They get locked in fucking vaults for a hundred years. Sicko mode. We're gonna talk about this after a short rest. Yeah, that, 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 yeah, yeah. Selling a little or a lot. <laughs> Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify is great. They're taking businesses of all sizes, cradling them in their arms to help them grow by giving them the tools they need. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success at every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash dungeoncast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash dungeoncast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash dungeoncast. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwein, erstwhile monk turned traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world. That ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. So a summoned spectator guards a location or a treasure of its summoner's choice for exactly 101 years, <laughs> allowing no creature but its summoner to enter the area and ac or access the item unless the summoner has instructed it otherwise. 
If come across by an adventurer, spectators are civil, even while on guard, openly discussing both its orders and its summoner. Like, he'll tell you all about him. Okay. Um, however, even a brief conversation with the spectator is enough to reveal quirks in its personality brought on by its years of isolation. Oh, no. It might invent imaginary enemies, refer to itself in the third person, or try to adopt the voice of its summoner or other people that it's heard. Um, they go crazy in here. Yeah, They're, what am I going to yeah. do for 100 years Un- like, up and all alone or whatever? Right, and unlike other beholders, they don't have this alien mind exactly. Their mind is a little bit more in line with like mere mortals. So yeah, that isolation is going to drive you crazy. Oh, man. So as a guardian, a spectator's loyalty to its summoner's commands is as absolute. It will guard the place or object for precisely 101 years, and they always know when the 101 years of service has expired. This is tracked by the spectator's internal clock, actually a lobe on the spectator's brain that perfectly measures time. Wow, cool. I need that. (laughs) I know, right? We all do. If the item they are charged with uh, protecting is stolen or destroyed before the years have all passed, a summoned spectator vanishes back to its home plane. It otherwise never abandons its post. What if you summon a spectator to, like, find time dilations and shit? Now we just covered last week, we just covered, like, time magic, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, what if you want to find evidence of, like, time time dis what am i saying uh time dilation time dilation and like time distortion time distortion like you can have a spectator occupy a space and it's gonna be like nope some shit is wrong in here because i have a i have a fucking barometer in my brain right that tells me so yeah that's cool that's a great idea so like spectators are guardians and protectors Mm -hmm. and they don't usually like doing anything that's not with that but guess what modrons they'll do whatever the modrons say and modrons are all about keeping law and order connected so like time violations are a big problem for modrons that'd be cool you just see a squad of modrons rolling around with a spectator as if it's like uh what do they call like a dowsing rod yeah that's fucking cool i like like that idea i made it i'm the homie yeah (laughs) i'm the homie i earned my keep when a spectator has fulfilled its service, it is free to do as it pleases. Cool. Most return to Mechanus, but many take up residence in the places they previously guarded, especially if their summoners have died. Uh, with the spectator's loss of purpose, the flickers of madness it displayed during its servitude flourish. Mm. Now, pairing this bit with some of the other lore, it seems to mean that those who have gone mad enough lose their bond to the ideal of serving the alignment of law, and thusly they choose not to return to Mechanus and thus continue down their path of madness. Yeah, they're into chaos now. So, thus you get Mr. What's Up here in the Monster Manual. <laughs> yeah, okay, so this is where you're going to fight, like, a monster. Yeah. Like, a like, beholder that's been through if, this nonsense. If you know anything about spectators, and you run into one that looks like that, you can tell before it speaks. That one's crazy. Yeah, okay, that makes total sense. Yeah. And then Dumbledore rightfully looks at it the way he looks exactly. at it. Exactly, so, oh, God. Oh, what the fuck. Although a spectator <laughs> prefers to avoid combat entirely, it is by no means defenseless. If forced to fight or defend an object it is guarding, it is capable of inflicting great harm with its eye rays. Spectators are armed with four rays, confusion, paralyzing fear, and wounding. Though they can speak with their face mouth, a spectator communicates primarily by way of telepathy just because they can. I mean, I, mean, that's, uh, I would. I would, too. Yeah. I, I've got a warlock that can telepathically communicate in a game, and he just does yeah. that shit at like, the drop of a hat. Indeed. Makes sense. They also have two inexplicable abilities. Number one, they can create food or water at will, so never need to hunt or pilfer for survival. Okay. Number two, they have an innate spell reflection ability, making spell slinging a risky choice of attack against these guys. I like that. I found no reasonable explanation for these powers. I'm guessing the spell reflective power comes from the center eye, the same way a beholder's anti-magic cone does. Yeah, it's an anti-magic but mirror. They can just create food. Don't know why. Because <laughs> I, I need to eat, right? I need to eat, right? So beholders can create like images of themselves and physical 
body mm -hmm. embodiments of themselves and stuff. So being able to create like parts of that, I guess, makes sense. Like, sure. I'm just gonna summon the water and right. the food that elements. I need. Yeah. yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna form the my DNA can be reconstructed to make fried chicken. <laughs> I am hungry. Give me that deep fried spectator. Mm, delicious. Like any beholder, a spectator, I have high cholesterol. a spectator views itself as the epitome of its kind, and it has an intense hatred of other spectators. Mm. It's one of the few things spectators have in common with other beholder kin. They don't like each other. Do they, does that extend out to other beholders as well, or just spectators? Um, I'm sure they're competitive in the space of in the, the space Modron is, world. Yeah, so spectators each view themselves as the perfect spectator. Yeah. But yeah, when it extends to other beholders, yeah, they, I, they probably don't like beholders because beholders are so chaotic. Um, Makes sense. But like, yeah, they, they're very like, they're not um, delusional in realizing the beholder is way superior to them. I okay, I yeah. see. Maybe not in morality, but in power. Indeed. Okay. <clears throat> Spectators have generous lifespans and live, and most live over one thousand years in age. When a spectator reaches this 1,000 years mark, its four eyes begin to grow very large, and its body begins to become small and shriveled. Oh, God. <laughs> this process continues until after six months, its four eyes are twice as large as they originally were. By this time, the spectator must retire permanently to a cave it has dug for this very occasion, since it can no longer levitate. What a fucking horror show. Uh, <laughs> it's dragging its big-ass eyes <laughs> on the ground. It's like, it can't hover anymore. It's too big. Upper-class spectators serving the Modrons are thrown out of the upper class at this age due to uh, ebbing inca being incapable of fulfilling their duties. <laughs> oh my god. Over the course of the next three months, the spectator's body becomes extremely small and shriveled with, uh, and each of its small eyes develops four tiny eye socks of their own. Oh, uh, what? No! It's finally, gonna, oh, finally, no. finally, when a spectator reaches 1,001 years of age, nothing is left of its body. At this time, its four eyes fall off the stalks to become baby spectators. I fucking knew it. These newborn spectators have the power of the eye from which they came, plus levitation. They stay in the cave in which they were born for one year. When the spectators are fully developed after one year, they leave the cave to build layers of their own. That's right, and they fight crime uh, from the sewers of... Spectators. <laughs> they fucking love pizza. Ninja they can't get spectators. enough of that shit. Yeah, they find is. a giant rat. They make it its best friend. Absolutely. All right. Uh, any questions about spectators before you read me this juicy stat block? Well, actually, before you read it, let me pull it up. Because much like you reading my notes with me, I shall read the stat block with you. Oh, okay, cool. I uh, My main question is why... Why what? Why? I like fuck? these guys. Oh my god! Yeah, you know, like these I mean, guys? Yeah, cool. It's I mean, cool. I think they're fun and different. They are fun. Give us another different. monster for mechanics to run into. I mean, I like how they have like a space in their their bottom jaw for their tongue to like kind of slide into. Yeah, it's like a tongue pocket. I'll say this: I rather run into these these guys than any other beholder game we've talked about so far. Uh, even gazers. Well, gazers uh, yeah. mean something else is coming. Exactly. Yeah. Plus, they're fucking annoying, and they hate you, and yeah. they like try to bump into you and shit. I always want to say the dog breed that they make me think of, and I Chihuahuas? don't want to do that. I'm not going to say. Okay. You said it, not me. Okay, gotcha. I didn't say that was that. Gazers, chihuahuas of the D&D world. Spectator, medium aberration of lawful neutral alignment, which we have extensively covered. Indeed. Armor class is 14 natural armor with hit points that equal 39, or mm. 68 plus 12. It's got uh, zero feet of movement. And even less when its giant eyeballs start to make it drag on the ground. And <laughs> it's got 30 feet hover. Strength is 8, dexterity 14, constitution 14, intelligence 13, wisdom 14, charisma 11. So I just rolled uh, 68 plus 12 and got 36. So that was worse than the average. 
Sorry, go ahead. Okay, <laughs> so we got, uh, oh, for the, for the, the HP. HP. Yeah. Uh, skills, perception plus six. Condition immunities, prone. Cannot knock me down. Senses, dark vision 120 feet. Passive perception of 16, pretty good. Uh, it knows deep speech, undercommon, and telepathy of up to 120 feet. Challenge rating is the golden number three. Actions, bite. Melee weapon attack, plus one to hit. Reach of five feet, one target. It's going to do, wow, it's only going to do two or 1d6 minus one piercing damage. That's for the strength being really bad. Mm -hmm, it's mm -hmm. kind of funny. Yeah. Uh, but, but it I mean, can do it's a bite. bite. It's bite's not what it does. Nah, it's definitely missing teeth in the bottom. The bottom row doesn't even look sharp. I mean, it's the reason the bite stuck so much is because they've, they've dug their lair with their fucking face. They've ground out. Yeah. yeah. Like, it's not. it just doesn't work as good no. anymore. It, it, he can make the softest of food for his weakest of jaws. <laughs> eye rays. Spectator shoots up to two of the following magical eye rays at one or two creatures it can see within 90 feet of it. It can use each ray only once on a turn. The first is a confusion ray. The target must succeed on a DC 13 wisdom saving throw, or it can't take reactions until the end of its next turn. On its turn, the target can't move, and it uses its action to make a melee or ranged attack against a randomly determined creature within range. If the target can't attack, it does nothing on its turn. The second one is a paralyzing ray. The target must succeed on a DC 13 constitution saving throw or be paralyzed for one minute. The target can repeat the saving throw at the end of each of its turns, ending the effect on itself on a success. Third one is a fear ray. The target must succeed on a DC 13 wisdom saving throw or be frightened for one minute. The target can repeat the saving throw at the end of each of its turns with disadvantage if the spectator is visible to the target, ending the effect on itself on a success. And number four is the Wounding Ray. The target must make a DC 13 constitution saving throw, taking 16 or 3d10 necrotic damage on a failed save or half as much damage on a successful one. It can create food and water, which we have also covered. The spectator magically creates enough food and water to sustain itself for 24 hours. Isn't that a cleric spell? Like create food and water? Is that, is that a thing? Yeah, it's a spell. The clerics cast on okay, other yeah, people. For sure. <laughs> Uh, reactions, um, spell reflection. If the spectator makes a successful saving throw against a spell or a spell attack misses it, the spectator can choose another creature, including the spellcaster. It can see within 30 feet of it. The spell targets the chosen creature instead of the spectator. Uh, the spell, uh, if the spell forces saving throw, the chosen creature makes its own save. If the spell was an attack, the attack roll is re-rolled against the chosen creature. It's so just fucking bog like fucking pass that dolce to the left my man and smack someone else instead <laughs> fireball fire nah um, like, get rid of that so i've never i've never utilized a spectator but i think if i would this is the type of npc i would include in a dungeon where this spectator has lost his mind to the point of not even remembering it was supposed to protect anything. Yeah. And it's just going to kind of try and become your best friend and annoy you throughout the whole dungeon. Huh. And there will be like a random chance that it might help you in a fight, but like it'll be pretty low. It's probably just going to be there to commentate on everything. And I think a, a, a clever character might be able to utilize like, I don't know, mind reading powers or or asking it the right questions to maybe discern pertinent information of getting through the dungeon. Mm. But it's going to be kind of a, like, a not, like he's not going to give you all the answers, okay. but he might give you enough answers to, to disable a few traps or to look out for something and stuff like that. If I was a player experiencing this, this thing, mm -hmm. I would send it, like, down the hallway around mm -hmm. a blind corner where I know enemies are mm -hmm. and fucking shoot my spells at it so it can reflect it into the, <laughs> the next area. That would be pretty cool. I like that idea. You use it like a, like a spell mirror. Like a that's little badass. one mirror. That's kind of cool. That's fucking cool. Um, I would 
What would I do? I kind of like the idea of it digging its, its um, like digging for something. <clears throat> like you encounter like this NPC and it stops to talk to you and like explain what it's doing and like wants your help or something maybe. Mm-hmm. And you choose to like go on as like, I'm trying to dig. There's something down there. Like I was summoned here to go get it. Mm-hmm. And then like you go throughout the rest of the dungeon, like come back at a later time. I think this happens in Pokemon where like somebody's digging and then you do a trigger event. And then they've dug through. Oh, yeah. That's a Diglett Tunnel. Yeah. yeah. Like, something like Diglett that. Escape, yeah. Like, that would be cool to have it, like, branch through and, like, see the event. Like, if you happen to remember to go back and check up. Yeah. That would be, like, be kind of Progress cool. has been made. Yeah. Like, it found yeah. something. Oh, made. you know, that also happens in uh, Ruby and Sapphire. Yeah. I'm sure it happens yeah. in a lot of games. Yeah. But um, that would be a cool thing to kind of, uh, you know, if you're in, like, a wacky dungeon, um, it takes a long time. This is, like, one of the first things you saw. And then you come back on your way back out. It like completed its task, and you know insert X or Y magic item or fucking whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, that sounds cool. I like yeah, it. I'm into that. Um, that's all I got. All right. Well, I think it's a good time to take a long rest then. Let's get long, baby. Oh no. <laughs> hey everybody, welcome to Long Rest, part of the show where we're getting long and no. getting ready for bed. No. Well, yes, but no. Getting ready for a long rest. <laughs> Getting long. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Um, it's Year of the Beholder, Brian. Yes. So what does that mean? Well, I mean, we did a Beholder episode, so we talked all about, like, the features and powers of a Beholder. So let's get away from that. Let's let's go, let's go cozy up to our snuggly late-night fire. and um, mm, So warm. So warm. It's so, it feels like we're in a fire right mm-hmm. now because it's summertime. and I'm, um, We live in a fire. We're in a garage now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, I want to tell you about a fact that maybe you didn't know, Will. Yeah, tell me all about it. So, spectator faces, and this is a, the, like really obscure lore, but spectator faces uh, used to be like the early days of spectators were polished obsidian or copper or gold or brass. What? <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't understand. What do you mean? Those were the first spectators. Okay. They, they, um, yeah, like they. You, they were uh, their faces were made of of those things. Um, that's how they got their reflective abilities. Oh, I see. Okay, yeah. they were mirror like in originality, and somehow that magic just retained itself over the evolution of this creature. Yeah. Um, then they started <laughs> hanging them on walls in like the 1600s. Are you sure you're just not talking about mirrors? <laughs> just talking about mirrors. Boy. That's what I thought. We're talking about mirrors today. Um, anyway, that's my beholder factoid. Um, talk to talk to a wizard about it. They know more than I do. Uh, we're not building anything. I don't know. Check out uh, check out Patreon. There's a, a ton of cool stuff on there. The dungeon chats. That's fun. OST <coughs> should be up to date now. That's fun. Um, Will's on there. Doing Vault Raiders. Yeah, like all kinds of stuff actually. Halloween special. I can't. That was a great one. How good the Halloween special is. Let's just start there. It's so good. The first thing you need to do. Besides maybe flashbang the surgeon, because that might be the first thing you actually should do. But if you don't have time for a full season, you just got time for one. Go check out the. <laughs> if uh, you have six hours. Yeah, or the eight Dredge hours or and the Shadowmire Keep, our Halloween special. It's fucking hilarious. It's four literal monster men going into a castle full of worse monsters than themselves and just fucking it all up. Yeah. Our buddy Mikey was on there. It's hilarious. It's so good. Um, I, we're really proud of that one. That could be its own adventure module, like one shot, for sure. Mm-hmm, that, definitely. That's cool. Definitely. You're like in a castle, 
Um, we got Nox Arcana to give us permission to like use all their music Indeed, for it. Indeed, yeah. Um, so and there's like awesome. a bunch of spooky Halloween sounds going on. I think yeah. I did some additional sound design for that. We honestly don't talk about it enough. And Halloween is like three to four months away mm-hmm. uh, at the time of this drop. So it's, it's fitting. Get ready. Um, also picked up um, the Van Richten's Guide to Ravenloft and the Curse of Strahd revamped. I'm thinking maybe in Halloween we could we could touch on some of that stuff this year. So yeah. in our, in our yeah, spooky times, or maybe like around that time. November's still cool. Like if you if you time out a Strahd campaign, you probably have to start like now to finish around Halloween time, probably. For most groups. I mean, I don't know. I think it takes longer to get through that stuff. I think. It, yeah, it really varies. I think by if you start a Strahd campaign in Halloween, you might finish by next Halloween. Yeah, that's fair. A year. If, if you're actually like going by the book. Well, a lot of D&D stuff takes time. Um, take the time to review the show on iTunes or on YouTube or whatever. Whatever podcasting platform you're listening to this to. Um, we would really appreciate it. It really helps us out. It increases visibility, clickability for the show. Um, and we're trying to do what we can to uh, get the outreach going. So, yeah, tell somebody about the Dungeon Cast. Um, link somebody to everything you need to know. Maybe there's a new player out there that needs to... Wants to DM for the first time, needs some monster data, and needs it fast. Mm-hmm. Or maybe um, you have a new player that's new to playing, just regular play, and you want them to know what the planes are in a quick, you know, under 10 minutes. So you can link them to the D&D planes explained in five minutes. So there's uh, a bunch of a bunch of useful stuff on YouTube that we're trying to crack open, more stuff on the way. So just keep an eye out for that and help us out by sharing it. We really appreciate it. And that being said, I think we can call it a game. Let's go home. Talk to you guys later. Bye. The Dungeon Cast. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.